0: Thank you, thank you. Hey, good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right today? You recovered from spring break? Uh, Some of y'all wish you were still there, right? You just ran out of money. Had to come home and do laundry. Amen. Hey, I want to echo Cynthia, and really on behalf of Pastor Nick and Autumn, just thank you to everybody who helped out with Wave Night uh, Friday night. It was so fun. And so many kids and uh, just all the activities, the worship, Uh, our worship team came and just dropped it. I mean, just dropped it. I mean, it was rocking up in here and uh, I wanted to stage dive, but I had zero confidence that anyone would catch me, (laughs) but I did break out a few little dance moves and the kids love it. Uh, But seriously, thank you though. I know uh, Nick and Autumn would say thank you to everybody who helped out. Uh, it was so good. It was so incredible. And and Catherine spoke Friday night. Yes, she did. It was so good, y'all. It was just a, a, a great night. And so just love what I see God doing in, in our young people. And uh, sometimes I feel like we're just a youth group that all the, the adults get to come to. Come on, y'all like feeling young? Some of y'all, y- y- you need a little youth in you. You know what I'm saying? You're getting aggravated with the kids. I think you're aggravated with them because they can move around a little bit. You need a little tighten. Let's go to Mark chapter 11 today before I say some stuff I don't need to say. Amen. Watch that over there. That's a low attitude on that amen. All right, Mark 11 verse 15 through 17, I I, I have some other sections of scripture that we're going to go to uh, today in our series called Real Jesus. Last week, will the real Jesus please stand up? If you wasn't here for that, you got to go on YouTube and and listen to that one. That was a lot of fun. Today, though, this is going to be fun. Mark 11, verse 15, it says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices and he knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves another version says he flipped over the tables I love this man I love what this is going to do to you today with your picture of Jesus that's what I really love Let me read that again. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have turned it into a den of thieves. I just try. I'm trying to really grasp the picture of Jesus walking into the temple. And just having one of those moments where he's like, and and you've had these before, what in the world is going on in here? And then he reacts. See, I've learned you can't react. (laughs) Jesus reacted and started flipping tables and throwing chairs. And I know that doesn't fit your version of Jesus. And I think Jesus came in saying, what in the world? Then he started throwing tables around and the people started saying, what in the world? And I just figured that's what we would talk about today. The title of the message today is, what in the world? What in the world, Jesus? What are you doing? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Today we need you. I'm going to do my best today, God, to help them see who Jesus is. Jesus, I need you to show who you are to every person in this room. I pray, Father, that we will move past the introductory religious version of Jesus and get to the real Jesus, the one that saves, the one that changes, the one that breaks chains. Jesus, you're the one that we want. And Father, today, I want to represent you. So I ask, Father, for your help to share this message today. Let this message touch our hearts, but most importantly, let it change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what in the world? So years ago, um, Cynthia and I had a knock on our door late one night. And uh, it's like late at night to where it's like you're not expecting someone. We're talking about past 11 p.m. Somebody knocks on your door past 11 p.m., You're thinking of things like, am I going to have to fight? (laughs) At least that's what I think. I mean, some of you, you might be thinking, let me go hide under the bed. But And so there's a knock on the door, and like, who could that be at this hour of the night? And so we had a small little window on the door, and so we looked through the window on the door, and there's a man who was standing there. But what you need to know about this man is that he was not clothed. He was completely naked, except he had a pair of chucks on. There's a naked man standing at my door with chucks on. They were red. They were red chucks, and he's standing at the door. And Cynthia and I are like, what in the world is going on here? And so Cynthia's like, what you want? So was crazy, man. I'm talking birthday suit (laughs) all out there in Chucks. And the the guy needed help because you see what had happened was. (laughs) He was at the corner bar, and uh, he was messing with somebody's lady. And so they decided they were going to teach him a lesson, so they beat him down and took his clothes off. And so he's standing at our door naked with his red chucks on, but his head is swollen. It's, I, mean, I mean, this dude was seriously in trouble. And so uh, we had to call 911, and uh, the guy was like, I need to come in. I need to come in. They're coming after me. I'm like, you're not coming in my house, man. You're not coming in. And so I did what any normal person would do. I went to my closet and got a pair of pants and threw it out there to him so that he could be clothed and there's more to the story that Cynthia definitely would love to tell you about after church today Uh, there's so much to that story man Uh, I have to say that was one of our top what in the world moments anybody ever had a what in the world moment before there are some things that people do sometimes that just make you shake your head and you just say what in the world like when you go to Walmart. <laughs> or like some would say, the Walmarts. The Walmarts. <laughs> Where people just do some things and you just shake your head, and you're like, what in the world? You just, it's like I don't even have the energy to try to describe yeah. what is happening here. It's just one of those what in the world kind of moments. Or you watch the news. And, and you hear about some of the things going on, and you're just like, what in the world? You ever had that series of events, though, where it started happening to you? Like, it's one thing when it's other people, and you're just like, what in the world? But when it flips, and it starts happening to you, and you start kind of like putting together the pieces after a few days or a few weeks, and you're just like, what in the world is going on around here? I can remember just, I have three brothers, okay, and it was all boys in our house, four boys, and my poor parents, I'm telling you, we helped them become the best parents that they could be throughout our childhood. Come on, anybody else, you've been working on your parents a little bit. Come on, just wave at me. Some of you young people, you are helping your mom and dad be their best, and we did that, man, and I know there were moments where we just drove them up a wall. And there were the what in the world moments that my mom and dad had where they just had to get the whole world in order, if y'all know what I mean. Just the what in the world. And there's people in this room today that are walking through some things that you're looking at it and you're saying, man, what in the world? Like, what is happening here? Like another thing? What in the world? Some of you are walking through some hell right now and you're saying what in the world is going on? <laughs> because it's just like how do how did we get here? Like everything was fine, everything is going good. I have this thought that all these people are at the temple because they're trying to do their worship thing, and then Jesus shows up at the temple, and Jesus looks like he's throwing a temper tantrum, starting to throw tables, throwing chairs, and knocking money out of people's hands, and then we got the whole world that's sitting there saying, yeah, that's why you shouldn't sell stuff at church. You know, all that crazy stuff that we get into when we form our opinions. Don't even know why Jesus is doing it, by the way. Some of you would have called the cops on him. Uh, yeah, uh, Captain Davis, TPD, we got a situation at the church. Yeah, it's Jesus again. He's flipping the tables. Can you send someone to detain him? Some of y'all are like, that's just too aggressive, Jesus. I know. Because it doesn't fit our what would Jesus do Construct. You see, we, we we're trying to keep it all in this perfect little box, but really what we got is not the what would Jesus do version of Jesus. We got the what in the world version of Jesus. Because when I read the Bible and see these stories, when you really read them in the context in which they happen, this is not your little weekend discipleship class. This is what in the world are you doing, Jesus? Like why? Why flip the tables? Why did you walk into the church event and start throwing the tables over? Calm down, Jesus. Let's process our emotions. Am I right? No! Jesus is like, what in the world's going on in here? Start flipping tables over? Imagine tomorrow night at sisterhood, what's going on in here and Cynthia just start flipping tables? Don't push her, man. Don't push her. There were some things that I know, even the disciples, I know they were sitting there saying, what in the world, Jesus? Right? And I, I, I've had moments in my own life where things were happening, and you're trying to pray. Like, I'm trying to say, in the name of Jesus, but it's coming out, what in the world, Jesus? Y'all know those prayers? Like, those are the ones you pray by yourself, by the way, because you know people think you're crazy if you say that. Like, if I ended the service, prayer in prayer, Lord, we pray for your blessings. And what in the world, Jesus? Amen. Man, when you're by yourself, that's where you're like, Jesus, where you at? What in the world are you doing to me? My kids are crazy. But I'm going to post about them after a while and tell everybody how awesome they are. What in the world, Jesus? All right. In Mark 11, let me tell you what's happening here, okay? Because I, I don't want you to just think Jesus is overly emotional and can't control himself. Okay, there's something here. Mark 11, Jesus is in Jerusalem. This is the headquarters for the Jews, okay, in Jerusalem, all right? The temple is there, and this is where the Jews are coming together to worship, all right? So the Jews would come to offer sacrifices for their sins, all right? Because they don't have a Savior on a cross yet. See, we do, so it's hard for us to relate to this. So, what they had to do was offer up sacrifices to the Lord to receive forgiveness for their sin. They have to offer animal sacrifices, in fact, to the Lord, like a dove, like a lamb, or a cow. And so, here at this temple, because remember this not everyone has a form. Some of these people had different occupations, so they didn't all have a form, but they all have sins. Y'all know those people? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Didn't know you were coming to church today to tell somebody that you're a sinner. Welcome to the club. Look at your other neighbor and say, but I'm a saint too. Come on. (laughs) Cynthia went into football brain right there. She said, who dat? All right. Let's come back. (laughs) So they didn't, not everyone had a form to offer their best animal as a sacrifice to the Lord. And so they were in a situation where they had to pay to buy an animal to offer to sacrifice to the Lord, okay? And so there were these different farmers that had animals that stuck around the temple to sell these animals so that if you were not a Jew... Or if you were a Jew and you needed to offer a sacrifice and you didn't have a cow, you just go buy a cow and go offer it up to the Lord as a sacrifice for your sins, for your family's sins. Okay, everybody's tracking along with me? Well, there were some people there that were not Jews, that, but they believed in God. They were called Gentiles. If you're not Jewish in here, meaning from the lineage of Abraham, then you're considered Gentile. Like, I'm a Gentile. Most of you, I'm pretty certain, you're a Gentile. Okay. And there were Gentiles who wanted to serve God and wanted to worship God. But because they weren't Jewish, they weren't allowed to go deep into the temple. And so there was a designated place that they can go and worship. It's like right before you get into the temple. But what happened was these guys realized that it was a better market if we move the animals closer to the place that the sacrifice is given. And so they actually moved into the space that was supposed to be for the Gentiles to worship and pray. They moved all the animals and set up a stockyard, basically, in the place where the non-Jewish people were allowed to worship. And so now, if you're a Gentile, there's no place for you in the temple. So when Jesus walks in there, he's like, what in the world? you got people out here that want to come into my house and worship and pray, and they can't get in because you guys have started a business inside this thing, and your business is keeping my business from happening. What in the world? So Jesus had a what in the world moment and started flipping tables. Why? I'm going to tell you why. Jesus doesn't want anything to keep people from the Father. He doesn't want anything to keep people from the Father. And from a story like this, you've got to be able to see that Jesus is so passionate about me. He is so passionate because when you look at this, you're saying, surely this is a sin. But Jesus didn't sin. Well, Pastor Wade, I just thought flipping tables. Was a sin. He wasn't flipping tables, he was making a way. You read the Old Testament how he says he made a way through the wilderness. Sometimes the wilderness is at the gate to the temple because there's people getting in the way of other people connecting with God. Remember when Jesus said it's better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and be thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble? That is a very aggressive type of behavior. Just tired. Concrete block around his neck and throw him in the lake. I'm translating that into our language today. And what does it showing is the extreme The extreme of these situations that there are things that are keeping people from God and we know that Jesus came to make a way where there is no way and Jesus isn't going to tolerate this type of business to prohibit his father's business from going forward and so Jesus got a little passionate amen he got a little passionate because he came to remove the barrier between God and man. He came to blow up religion so that people could have a relationship with the Father. That's what he came to do. Jesus came for all who would believe, not just a select group of people who feels like they're that good. Jesus came even for the people that don't even feel good about none of it. So you know who's sitting there saying, what in the world, Jesus? The Gentiles. Jesus is flipping tables and cleaning it out and Gentiles like, what in the world, Jesus? Let's go. Let's go. We're getting our worship place back. Yeah. What in the world, Jesus? Look at your neighbor and say, What in the world, Jesus? What in the world, Jesus? Let's go to the next story. I'm gonna give you a series of Bible stories today. What in the world? Jesus flipping tables. Calm down, Jesus. Next story. This is a story about Jesus driving out a demon. Just nudge your neighbor and say, uh-oh. <laughs> Luke chapter 9, verse 37. It says, the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only son. Catch the context here, okay? This is a man who has only one son. And he's begging Jesus, Jesus, I need you to come take a look at my son. Verse 39, a spirit seizes him and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and it's destroying him. Please hear the story. Don't get so caught up with the spirit thing that you miss what's happening here. This is a father that has only one son. And he's worried about all of these things that are happening to his son. The father is having a what in the world, Jesus moment. That's what's going on here. Verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Here it is. Verse 41, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? (laughs) What would Jesus do? (laughs) Are y'all hearing this? Bring your son here. Verse 42. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. They were all amazed. Even the disciples who couldn't drive it out, couldn't do anything about it, they were amazed. What in the world, Jesus? Something unexplainable is happening to this son. This is what I need you to see, and I need, I need y'all to come in here with me. Something unexplainable is happening to the son, where even the father is so uncertain. What are we going to do? What is happening? Jesus, we need your help. And this boy is dealing with what we would call a dysfunction. Okay, that's what we would call it, because I would never sit there and say, Oh, yeah, my kid's got a demon. Although I have heard people, when their kids were melting down, just say, That little demon possessed rascal, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you better be careful you Better be careful the boy is dealing with a dysfunction but jesus says it's a demon it's crazy it's another one of those what in the world jesus moments but what we see in this story is we see that this father loves his son so he brings the boy to the disciples for help, but they couldn't drive it out. And there's a lesson in here. And here's the lesson. People can support you, but only Jesus can set you free there's such a lesson there you gotta have some people around you to support you but those people cannot set you free the listen your son's girlfriend cannot set him free from this stuff that he's dealing with the woman that you choose to marry cannot set you free the man you choose to marry cannot set you free they can support you but only jesus can set us free amen amen and so many times, instead of going to Jesus, we go to people for support. We love the support, but really what we need is to be set free. And we've got to have some friends around us that support us, but will lead us to the one who can set us free. Amen? And if we don't have friends that lead us to, to being set free, we need to reevaluate how we do this with our friends, because those might just be our movie friends. Might just be a barbecue friend. And that's great. We'll see you at the ballpark. But you got to have some friends that say, we're going to pray for a breakthrough today. Come on, we're going to get you there. Some people that will tell you the truth will make you get off the phone saying, what in the world, Sally? What are you telling me? So, just what in the world? Jesus can handle the dysfunction and he can handle the demon. He can handle both. And this is, this is the, the messy side of Jesus. This isn't the, 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 the little Google search image picture of Jesus where he's posed against the wall looking all soft. This is the Jesus that's like, I will get in your world with you. When you're having the what in the world moments, I'm, I'm, I'm in there with you and we can deal with this. Amen. So when Jesus calls for the boy... As the boy is coming, the spirit throws the boy into these convulsions and the boy is foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine the scene? Because there are people that are witnessing this. This is a severe occurrence that is taking place. Can you imagine the poor kid? Am I right? Yeah. Like, oh, oh, you're that boy. Wow. Yeah. Think of it. And Jesus is in the middle of all of this stuff that is happening. But Jesus heals the boy and gives him back to his father. And as I was looking at this story, I was trying to think, what is Jesus thinking as he's handling this? This father comes and says, my only son. And I started to think about the father who has his only son that got all up in the suffering so that you and I could be set free I think Jesus sees the father's love for his son and it reminds him of his father here's the point I want to give you from this story Jesus is the one to go to start there start there When you're having the what in the world moments, start there. Jesus, I'm coming to you. Before I even talk to my support group, I'm coming to you. Because they may not interpret the moment right. Right. They may try to give me some advice, but I need more than some advice. I need some wisdom from you. They may try to give me a what would Jesus do kind of help. I need a what in the world, Jesus, kind of help. Jesus is the go-to. If you're in a place right now where you're having all of the what-in-the-world moments, Jesus is the one to go to. Amen? Amen? I know that just sounds very generic, but Jesus is the one to go to. How many of you, you ever ask somebody for help, and it's like, ah, oh, they just they, they helped, but they didn't get it done. But there's always that one person that you know if you call them, they can make it happen. Anybody got that person that can make it happen? You know that person? You can call them. It's like you can call them for anything. They'll make, you call them 2 30 in the morning. You say, you know what? I need a cup of flour. They will make it happen for you. Who are these people? They're go-to people. And I can tell you with the what in the world stuff in our lives, you got to have your go-to person. And there is none other but Jesus. He is the one to go to. Now, Before we go on, let's not overlook the disciples because we know about the boy and we know about Jesus and Jesus has handled the situation, but Jesus addresses his disciples and calls them unbelieving and perverse generation. That does not fit our code of ethics for proper office communication jesus getting written up (laughs) you know what i'm saying a little inner office disciplinary action taking place with jesus he got frustrated with his key people i know that is like hard to wrap your mind around but jesus didn't say don't be angry he said be angry and sin not I'm trying to help somebody in here today because you have some things that you're frustrated about that you keep repenting over. It's not the frustration you need to repent over. It's what you're doing with the frustration that you got to work on. Amen? Amen. Jesus was frustrated with some of his key people. I want to say that again. Because I I have to think, Jesus, you ever get frustrated with me? (laughs) I'm serious. I was writing this message. And I wrote that down. And I stopped because I caught myself. I stopped. It's like Jesus. We good, right? <laughs> you ever get frustrated with me? Y'all wanna know what he said? He didn't say nothing. That made it worse. Because if he had said something, at least I knew where we were going. He didn't say a word. So now it's like I probably do. He just wants me to figure it out. Um, I want you to notice something because if you look at it from the disciples' perspective, um, you think that Jesus helped the boy and set him free to cover for you what you couldn't do. But that didn't have anything to do with it. He did it despite their unbelief. He did it even though they didn't believe it could happen, actually happen. In fact, he, he told them this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. In other words, there's some spiritual disciplines that you need to get in place if you're going to operate on this level. That's strong right there, and that's a word to some people because we think just knowing some scripture and hearing some sermons is what's going to carry us through the what in the world moments. But we're going to have to have some spiritual disciplines in, our, in place in our lives with the word of God, with prayer, and with worship, and some consistency in it. Amen? And Jesus is literally on the spot like, boys, you're not consistent. But this doesn't fit our picture of how Jesus works because we have this idea that Jesus is just nice. I'm telling you today, from what I read in Scripture, there are things that Jesus would say that would hurt some of our feelings. Like, you unbelieving and perverse generation. I'm going to find me another Jesus. And that's exactly what people have done. That's exactly what we have done. Because we have a cultural view of Jesus that has to fit into these behavior types, that has to fit into these narratives, that has to fit into this type of communication, that has to fit into this type of counseling style, has to fit into all of these different molds. And without realizing it, we're putting Jesus in a box. And the Jesus that we have in a box doesn't work in our what in the world moments. Because sometimes we need the Jesus that will get out there and fight. But the Jesus that we've created in our mind, he ain't aggressive. And so when we start talking about things like authority, we back away from it. Because our view of authority is that authority hurts people because of what we have seen culturally. But actually, God works through authority. That's called order. And a lot of times the dysfunction in our lives isn't because we got a demon. It's just because we live life out of order. We just live life out of order, and we have problems with people in authority. And that's why we can't move up in our jobs, and we just think they don't care about me. But we talk about the boss man behind his back all the time. Anyway, let's get back to Jesus. Let's get back to Jesus. Let let me make another point. Okay. The disciples, I get the feeling that they like what their position did for them. Instead of walking in the power that God wanted to demonstrate through them. And Jesus, when he did this for this boy, he did it for the love of the father. He did it for his father. He did it for that father. Amen? We've got to get to the place that we understand why Jesus does what he does and get out of the boat of thinking that Jesus just feels sorry for people. Jesus had compassion on people. Compassion doesn't come from the place of brokenness. It comes from the place of righteousness. And Jesus had compassion knowing that nothing in their own power and their own might could change the situation. So he had to step in as a representative of the father to this father who loved his son. This is so important that we see this. So here's the next point. Jesus has the compassion and the power to handle real life situations. He has the compassion for it, but he also has the power for it to handle your real life situations. I'm talking about the crazy stuff. I'm talking about the argument that blew up last night with your spouse. And you came to church today and you're not even talking to each other. Not that any of y'all done that. That's the people watching online, right? (laughs) You made it here today. I'm talking about the family conflicts where you won't go to the little gathering because they're going to be there. I'm talking about the personal problems that just won't end. Jesus is the go-to. And he has compassion, but he also has power and authority to handle it. And sometimes I, I, sometimes I think we won't go to Jesus because we don't like how he's going to handle it. Because he may say something like this. You need to go tell him you forgive him. What in the world, Jesus? Who do you think you are? It's the same reaction when you see the boy with the demon. Same reaction when Jesus is flipping the tables. What in the world, Jesus? And Jesus is like, I want you to give. What in the world, Jesus? What in the world? He has the compassion, the power, and the authority to handle real life situations and i don't know about you but i need jesus in the real life stuff because i have ideas of things that i would like to do to handle things that y'all would say what in the world pastor wade i promise you in fact cynthia will say it to me what in the world wade but don't worry i'll look at her and say babe what in the world he has the power the authority to handle real life situations Can we go to him? Can we go to him? Here's the next story. story. Mark chapter 1, verse 40. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Watch this, verse 41. Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. We'll talk about that in a second. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. Guess what? The guy didn't do any of that. He ran and told his friends. Did the very thing Jesus told him not to do. This leper has a contagious disease, but the leper knew Jesus was the go to. He knew it. Jesus is the go to. And so in verse 41, Jesus is moved with compassion and he reaches out and he touches the man. And some of you are like, that's what Jesus does. He touches people's lives, but what you have to understand, according to Jewish law, and Jesus is considered a Jewish priest, he's not supposed to touch a man with leprosy. Because now, being the priest, he will be declared unclean, not fit for service. But Jesus reaches out and crosses the religious boundary so that he can touch somebody's life and make them whole. If your religion keeps people from being touched by God, it is the wrong religion. Amen. You've got to find a new belief system. Jesus crosses the boundary. He touches the man and the leprosy disappeared. One touch from Jesus can change your life Forever. When we were praying for wave night, you can ask Nick and Oliver. The thing that we were praying for, God moments for our kids. God moments. There's a lot we can say, and we get recommendations from parents all the time. You need to tell them this, you need to tell them that. You need to, we need God to tell them some things. Amen. They've been hearing what you said. They need to hear what God says, and one touch can change their life forever. And what's so crazy is we won't allow ourselves to get close enough to God to touch that He could touch us. But we need the touch of God. That is going to change our lives. And this is what I want you to see from this story, that Jesus is willing to touch you. He's willing to touch you. It's like, I'm not worthy, Jesus. I will touch you. will touch your life. See, most people think that Jesus, the king of the Jews, would sit on a throne in a palace. In fact, this is what the Jews wanted him to be. In their minds, this is what they created. They wanted Jesus to be the kind of king that would take over the Roman palace and establish his throne there and sit on it and rule everything in their favor. And Jesus shows up saying things like, my kingdom is not of this world. And they don't like that version of Jesus. They wanted the version of Jesus that was going to come through and change the political landscape. And a lot of us want that too. But Jesus didn't come to sit on a throne in a palace. He came to sit on the throne of our hearts. Because if he can get on the inside, it's going to change some things on the outside. Too many people are worried about what's going on in the country and can't even take care of what's going on in their own house. Can't even take care of what's going on in their own heart. Amen. Right there. Let's go. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. He came to seek and save those who are lost. He came to set the captives free. He came to heal the brokenhearted. And if you're going to do all those things, you got to get in there with them. See, Jesus isn't the magician that just waves the wand and does his thing. He gets in there. He got all up in there. He got in there. See, a lot of people, their version of Jesus is, I'm going to church on Sunday to see Jesus. And you didn't realize that Jesus wanted to be with you all week long. He wanted to be with you in the truck right after all that stuff happened at work. And you wanted to say all those words. He wanted to be right there with you. He wanted to be with you in that office when you were having that meeting with that supervisor and they were telling you all these extra responsibilities that they were going to put on you and they were not going to pay you anymore. He wants to be with you when you're sitting down talking to your child and they're talking about all the stuff that they're struggling with in that class, which leads to all the things that they're struggling with in their lives. And you immediately begin to think, oh, my God, I'm a failure as a parent. He wants to be with you right there in those moments. Because he's a what in the world, Jesus. He wants to be in your world. John chapter 3, verse 16. I learned it in Sunday school when I was a kid. We memorized it and got the little star on the chart, the gold star, because we said it word for word. For God so loved the world. I'm going to give you my version instead of the version New Living Translation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever. Remember earlier I said he wants them all. It's for all. That whosoever would believe in him shall not perish but what? Have everlasting life. We memorize that version. We love it. God so loved the world. But watch the next verse. God sent His Son where? What in the world? What in the world? God sent His Son into the world. Not to judge the world, but what? To save the world through him, not just with him, through him. And Jesus is just saying, hey, let's go for a walk. It's hard, Jesus. Let's keep going. Let's keep walking. What was the message a few weeks ago? I'm limping, but I'm winning. Jesus came to get in your world. He came to get in the crazy. He came to get in the awesome He came to get in it all. Jesus can celebrate with you when it's outstanding. And he can help you when it's all falling apart. He came into our world to show us love like we have never, ever seen. He told us things like this. It's easy to love those who love you But I say, love your enemies. What in the world is this dude talking about? He came to show us power like we have never imagined. See, Jesus isn't just a religious figure, He is God in the flesh who left the amenities of heaven so that he can get in our world and to demonstrate how to handle suffering because he suffered for each and every one of us he walked through the fire he walked through the abuse he walked through the words he walked through the accusations come on y'all he walked through the betrayal i can keep going down the list of all the things that he walked through the people said that i will go to the ends of the world for you jesus where the very people that denied him and jesus still walked through it and still welcomed the guy right on back right after he came back to jesus because jesus said Listen to me, Simon. Satan has the desire to sift you as wheat, but after you have returned, I'm going to restore you, and you're going to go and share it with your brothers. Peter was the one who stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached the first message to the church, and 3,000 people got saved. Jesus kept his word. He walked with them through their unbelief. He walked with them. He called them perverse. Evidently, there was some perversion going on. He walks with them through it all, and they just chose to walk with him too. He's a get-in-your-world Savior. And for us, it's the reality that I'm not going to church to see Jesus. I'm inviting Jesus into my world, into my everyday life. Come with me to work, Jesus. Come with me to school and not just on test day. Amen? Amen. Come with me on the day that I need to figure out what the world that lady's saying. Come with me in the bedroom when I got to talk to my son about that situation. Come with me when I've got to talk to this person at work to address some things that's going on. Come with me, Jesus, when I have to sit down with my spouse to discuss some things that's going on in our marriage. come in my world, Jesus, where I got to sit down, where I got to stand up, come with me, where I got to take on this project. And I don't know what I'm doing, but they all think I know what I'm doing, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And Jesus, you better save me here. How many of y'all live in that boat? Amen. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. He came into this world so he can get into your world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're living in a what-in-the-world situation in your life right now. And maybe it's not just because things that have been happening to you, but it's even things that you have done where you look at yourself and you say, what in the world are you doing? What in the world have you done? Or maybe you're in that place where things are just happening. It's like, world if you're in the what in the world situation in your life i just want you to stand to your feet right now because i want to pray for you some of y'all at work you're in a what in the world some of you with family you're in a what in the world situation some of you with your health the direction of your life your next step Maybe you're a student trying to figure out where am I going next? I don't even know. Career? Maybe you're a parent just don't you don't even you don't even know how to do that situation with that child. You've tried to talk to them, you've begged them, you've even tried to bribe them. <laughs> just anything. And you just don't know. It's just one of those, what in the world? Jesus, I need you. And if you're in that what in the world situation right now as you're standing, I want you to lift your hands and just say, Jesus, I need you in my world. I need you in my world right now. I've never walked through this. I've never dealt with this. I don't... Father, I pray over every person that's there. In fact, if you're sitting around there, just put a hand on their shoulder. Come on, if you're sitting next to somebody that's standing... Don't be weird about it. Just a gentle hand on their shoulder just to support them right now. Come on, Jesus is going to set them free, but they need some support. They need some support right now. Jesus, in these moments that that so many are walking through, situations with their health, their finances, with their families, even with themselves, Jesus, we know that you came into the world not to judge the world, but to save to set free, to heal, to deliver. Come on, Jesus, we're calling on you today to come into our world and begin to speak those words. Begin to give us that wisdom that we need. Begin to give us the understanding of what we need to do next, Father. I just pray, Jesus, that you will be the present help in times of trouble. You will be the leader that we need. You will be the authority that speaks the word that changes everything. Jesus, we're calling on you today, and we need your presence in our lives. We need your presence in our lives. So, Father, for every situation that is represented by every person standing, I just pray, Jesus, that you will get in their world. That you will get in their heart. And you will change their lives. Everyone else in the room, would you please stand? Because maybe you're here today and you've been living your life religiously. And it's been more about the things you have to do for your religion than it is about the relationship with Jesus. And today, the most important thing that could happen in your life would be for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to have a relationship with Jesus. Come on, do you believe that today? And I want to lead our church all together in this prayer. I want to ask you to repeat it after me. Say, Dear Lord, thank you for coming into my world. Not to judge me, but to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross to take my punishment and pay the price for my sins. I accept what you did. I put my faith and trust in you. And I choose to follow you. I surrender my life and my ways of living to follow your ways of life and your ways of living. I'm all yours, Lord. I choose now that I'm going to live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome into our world, Jesus. Welcome into our world.